0: All right, so today I want to start by sharing with you a gift that I got for Christmas. I had been asking for it for a long time, but finally this past Christmas, I got this. This is combines two of my favorite things. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut, and I loved to play with Legos, and this is a Lego version of the Apollo 11 Saturn V spacecraft. And I got this for Christmas and I put it together uh, in that week between Christmas and the end of the year. And it has been sitting in my office uh, ever since. Now, one of the things that's really cool about this is that, uh, number one, it has 1969 pieces because this rocket was launched in 1969 and it separates into the various stages. So, you know, when it launched, it was all together and then when it got to a certain level, the fuel and the power from that stage had been extinguished and then you have the second stage that gets it to the next part and then it actually separates into a third stage as well and then you've got the the lunar lander in here and the command module here and so It's cool. It's really, uh, it's huge too, and it's heavy and it's very solid. So I loved putting it together. I love being able to look at it and and uh, play with it (laughs) as well. So I wanted to share that with you. Where am I going to put this? I think I'll just keep it right here for now, because um, shortly after I saw it and put it on my wish list. I uh, started thinking about how uh, it relates to church as well, and stick with me because there is a connection. And that is that I've heard launching a church being, and even listen to the, to the verb we use, launch there, is very similar to launching a spacecraft. Uh, in that, it takes a massive amount of energy. You look at this, and you know, basically, this is the part that goes to the moon and makes the bulk of the journey, but it takes all of this to get it off of earth and into space. And in the same way, it takes this massive amount of energy and fuel and power to get a church congregation off the ground as well. You see, when this rocket launched, you would pretty much see this whole, this whole assembly going up into space. And yet, uh, there's it separates not too long into the flight into this part, but you can barely see that from the ground. Uh, so I say that to say that you know it's massive. you get to watch this huge thing launch, but you don't see the rest of the journey. You just see that first stage. But the second stage, is an important part, and it gets it to the next phase of the journey. And I wanted to bring that up because here we are in a situation where there has been so much change and so many curveballs thrown at us over the past year, and the question that's coming to my mind and maybe coming to your mind as well is, what's next? And the short answer is we don't know. We don't know exactly how things are going to unfold with the pandemic or with uh, our church location. What are the things that are going to continue? What are the things that are going to change? What does that dynamic look like? And there are still a lot of unanswered questions. So, as we are looking forward to what's next and that second stage, whatever that's going to look like, then it's helpful to figure out, well, What are the things that we do know and have clarity around those? So, today, we are going to be talking about our plans and what we're going to see in the scriptures is that for us, for his church, for his people, Jesus is still writing his story. Jesus is still writing his story. Last week, we kind of came to the culmination of the gospel story with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But the story didn't end there. He is still writing his story, and we'll see how that unfolds. And the question becomes, well, are we going to be a part of it? And that's why the challenge for today at the end will be to say, count me in. I want to be a part of that story. So today I want to look at this passage, this passage I'm going to read to you, and I'm going to come back to it later in the message, but I want to lay the foundation and then go from there. Uh, these are a couple of parables that Jesus taught uh, that are found in Matthew chapter 13, because as he was on the earth and teaching and and apprenticing his disciples he was getting them ready for what was next he wanted them to understand how things would work in the kingdom of God so let's look at it together this uh, these are two particular parables and their explanation in Matthew chapter 13. I'll begin reading at verse 24 uh, verse 24. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, sir, the field where you planted that good seed... Is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds? They asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. Now, skipping down to verse 36, Jesus begins to explain it. Verse 36, then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, the son of man, talking about himself, is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. So he's explained all the different elements, and now he's going to explain the meaning. Verse 40 Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil and the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then skip down to verse 47, and he tells another similar parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like fish, a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things? Yes, they said, we do. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us your word and that you have even explained the meaning. You've told us what to expect. And so even though there are a lot of things about which we are uncertain, a lot of things that we can't see, a lot of things that we don't know about what's next, I thank you, Lord, that you have given us what we need to know in order to cooperate with you and to be a part of the story that you are writing. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us clarity about those things and faith and trust to, in, to just entrust those things that we don't know about and can't anticipate to you. And then just to follow you wholeheartedly in those things that we do know. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so as we look through this, again, we don't know exactly what's going to happen next, but there are some things that we can know and that we can cling to and that we can cooperate with Jesus as he is continuing the story. So the bottom line is also the first point, that Jesus is still writing his story. He's still writing his story. It did not end 2,000 years ago with the cross, his burial, and his resurrection. I was uh, looking at the introduction to the book of Acts. Uh, The uh, the book of Acts is kind of the sequel to the gospel of Luke, written by the same author to the same audience. And this is how Luke begins that, that second volume, Acts chapter one, verse one. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. And you'll notice that I highlighted that word began, because if you just on first glance, you would think, okay, Jesus, he wrote about all that Jesus taught and did in the gospel of Luke. But now we're moving on to another story. Now we're moving on to the church. Now we're moving on to what happened after Jesus ascended back into heaven. But look at the way that Luke describes that next phase, that second stage. I'm going to tell you about, I, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach indicating, implying that Jesus is still doing stuff, still teaching, still active, and that he's going to tell the rest of what Jesus did in this second volume. There's more to the story. And in fact, if you read the book of Acts, even after going through 28 chapters of early church history, it ends somewhat abruptly. It's almost as if you're reading along and you're ready to turn the page to the next chapter, to the next volume. It's not there. And I think that that kind of indicates you know the, the story isn't written yet. You can't write the end of the story of Acts. You can't write the end of the story about everything that Jesus began to do and teach because he's continuing to be at work. In fact, we find the same kind of experience reading the Gospel of Mark, which we have been studying. It ends pretty abruptly, and it's very clear that someone has added kind of an addendum. If you read Mark chapter 16, it's clear that somebody has... Realize, you know, this story isn't complete, so we need to finish the story. Now, there are a lot of explanations for what was going on there, but most people think that the last part of Mark's original gospel has been lost, and a, a later decades, maybe even a hundred years later or more, somebody wrote an ending because they realize this this isn't the end of the story. There's more to the story. Now, just as an aside, that should give us even greater confidence in the scriptures because it would have been much simpler, in fact, to try to write like Mark did and pass it off as what he wrote. But no, somebody just said, something's missing here. So, let me add on to it And they didn't pretend to be Mark writing the rest of that story. It's just finishing the story. So, as we look at that, it reminds me that Jesus is not done. And he is not done with you. He's not done with his church. There is a next stage to what is going on. Because that first part is just the beginning of all that Jesus began to do and teach. So, Jesus is still writing his story, and he's doing it through his church, which is described as his body. We are the hands and feet of Jesus in the world today. So, what else is he still doing? Jesus is still the king who secured victory through the cross. Now, this you'll recognize if you've been watching along and participating is kind of the theme of the series that we did leading up to Easter going through the gospel of Mark. Because in that first half of the gospel, it's Jesus' identity. It's all about who Jesus is as king. And then the second part of the gospel of Mark is how he established his kingdom. And he did so through the cross, not through battles, not through being a conqueror, but through giving his life on the cross. Now, I put that in there because as I think about What's next for us as a church? We don't know exactly what's going to happen. You don't know exactly what's going to happen next in your life. You can make plans. You can have some hopes and dreams. You can work towards those, but there's still going to be a lot of uncertainty. But here is what I know I want for me and I want for us as our congregation. You can split this up into two aspects. There's Jesus' identity. Uh, In the first part of the Gospel of Mark, it's all about recognizing that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the king that has been long awaited. He is the son of David. He identifies as the son of man, which is this uh, reference back to an Old Testament vision in the book of Daniel of this person who is like a man but also has godlike character it's showing that he is fully god and fully man it's all about getting to know jesus better Some of you will be familiar with the television series online streaming called The Chosen, which is a multi season, multi episode retelling of the life of Jesus. And they just premiered this first episode of the second season. So, wherever you are, if you haven't got, uh, aren't familiar with that, haven't watched it yet, go to thechosen.tv and watch those. Here's why. Um, I love watching these because when I see this, it's the best representation of the Jesus that I know and love in film. You see, it seems like so much Christian media is not that great. And if you've watched some Jesus films in the past, you could easily be forgiven for coming away from the impression that Jesus is just odd a little creepy, and a little weird because that's the way he's portrayed. But in The Chosen, it is not like that at all. And that's one of the reasons that I like it. And it just reminded me as I watched and re-watched some of those episodes that what I need more than anything and perhaps what we need as a church more than anything is we just need to get to know Jesus for who he is better, better. And so whatever we do next, you can be confident of this, that we're going to continue to exposit the scriptures. We are a biblically based church. We're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to study the Bible. We're going to root everything that we believe and do in the scriptures because God has revealed himself through the scriptures. And the scriptures are all about Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament tells about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And we're going to continue to talk about Jesus, get to know Jesus better, not just facts about his life like you're studying for a test. We want to get to know him. We want to understand him. We want to know and love him. And he's still that king. He's still that same person. And we just want to get to know him. But we also want to do things in his way as well. You see, that's kind of that subtext again of the gospel of Mark, that Jesus is who the people were expecting and hoping for, but he didn't go about his mission in the way that they were expecting or hoping for. He secured his victory. He established his kingdom through the cross. In fact, in Mark 10:45, this is the way Jesus talked about his ministry. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the way he was going to go about. It wasn't going to be by force, but through service. He was going to serve and he was going to lay down his life, give his life as a ransom for many that's what we want to do, is we want to get to know Jesus, who he is. Again, that's his identity. And we want to know how he wants to work, how he wants to establish his kingdom, how he wants to work it out and grow and expand his kingdom in our time and place. And so we want to grow. We want to understand better. One of the first Verses that I was pointed to, out to me as a young child to encourage me in this way is Second Peter three eighteen, where it says to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter, who's preaching the Book of Mark, was based upon, is writing a letter, and he's saying this is what you should be doing. We need to be growing. We need to be making progress. We don't just want to learn facts, but we want to to be able to understand who Jesus is and know him intimately and personally and know how he wants to work in our lives. So Jesus is still writing his story. He's still work in people's life. He's still inviting people into his mission. And Jesus is still gathering, growing, and sending people like us. He's still gathering, growing, and sending people like us. Now I'll bring you back to those parables that I read earlier. Look at this line from Matthew 13, verse 30. It says, let both grow together, Until the harvest. Now, this is in the midst of that first parable. Remember, the setting was uh, a farmer who plants good seed in his field, and then an enemy comes and sows weeds in the field. And the people the servants begin to notice that they ask the master what should we do should we pull up the weeds he says no if you pull up the weeds then you're probably going to be pulling up the wheat as well let them grow let them come to maturity and then it'll be very clear what's the weed and what is the wheat so this is the quote from the master in the midst of that story let both grow together until the harvest Let both grow together. What should we be about? We should be about growing, just like that verse said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, in that story, you had the weed, which is, it tells actually what kind of weed it is. It's Darnell. And the interesting thing about this particular type of weed is as it is maturing, It looks a lot like the real thing. It looks like wheat. And so, when they're growing together, it would be very hard to distinguish between the weed and the wheat. And so the master says, just let them grow together. Don't focus on trying to weed them out and sort them out and separate them out to distinguish and judge between them. Just let them grow together the thing the way that that really struck me this week as i was visiting revisiting this parable and looking at this parable is that so often it's easy for people in church to get into a judging mindset and to say you know oh we're going to focus on you know, you're in you're out in different ways that we distinguish between people when really It's just this picture of let them grow together. Don't worry about sorting people out, deciding who's better or who's worse. Just grow. Just focus on growth and let the sorting happen later. And you'll notice that it happens by someone else later as well. So rather than focusing on, oh, well, they're not doing it right, or he's doing it wrong, or all that kind of stuff, how about we just focus on growing and maturing to the point where we can bear fruit, let both grow together until the harvest. And the way that this is lived out, I think, is you know when people come into our church, I want them to get the sense that they are loved and expected and accepted no matter what their background no matter what their journey no matter where they are on the process. Yeah, we want people to make progress. We want people to understand the Lord better and follow him more closely, but people are going to come from all over and every background, and if you're watching and if you're wondering if you are welcome here because you've got some history, you got some past, you don't necessarily know that you believe everything that we believe. You wanna know, you know, am I still going to be accepted? The answer is yes. As far as I have anything to do with it, then we're going to accept you and love you, and we're gonna grow together as best as we can. And I think this reflects the heart of Jesus because Jesus, when he wanted to sum up his teaching and what he wanted his disciples to do, he put it this way, a new command I give you, love one another, not judge one another, not uh evaluate one another not see if another it's love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another we serve one another we accept one another we're going to be loving and sometimes that means being tough with one another but it's all in the context of what's best for another Jesus set the standard as I loved you so you must love one another. In fact, in the very next verse, this is John 13:34, next verse, verse 35, he says, "It's by this what what's the this? That's what he's just been talking about. Anyway, he's going to repeat at the end of this verse, "By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you watch church on a weekly basis." No, that's not what he says. If you vote a certain way, believe us, uh, yeah, belief is important, and I want you to vote and to be uh, wise about that. But by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The distinguishing characteristic of Jesus' followers, Jesus said, would be our love for one another. So, Jesus is still writing that story. He's still inviting people into his story and inviting us to participate. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4.16. As each part, what parts is he talking about? He's using the analogy of the people of the church as the body of Christ Christ. Christ followers, people who are a part of the kingdom of God and the family of God, are the body of Christ. And as each part, as each member does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow. Now, notice in the midst of this that it's each part, every single part, every person who is following Jesus has a part to play. In this loving one another and being on mission and being a part of the next part of Jesus' story. As each part does its own special work, a special work. If you are a part of the body of Christ and you don't do, participate, contribute, then we're missing out on something special. And unique that only you can contribute and in your time and place and with your skills, abilities, and gifts. It's only as each part does, it own, does its own special work that it helps the other parts to grow. And what's the result? So that the whole body, everybody wins, everybody benefits. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Healthy and growing and and full of love. That's what I want for each one of us. That's what I want for our congregation. That's what I want for the body of Christ, the whole body, healthy and growing and full of love. But notice that this only happens as each part does its own special work. We need everybody to participate in some form or fashion so that the whole body will be healthy and growing and full of love. And so that's why the challenge that I mentioned, and this has been kind of a theme, is that uh, to to say, count me in. I'm going to be a part of the story. And not just Jesus' story, but a part of the story of what he's doing in our time and place, and maybe even in our congregation of Cornerstone, our little corner of the kingdom of God, our little slice of the body of Christ. Um, Now, I I found that there was a little bit of confusion when I made this invitation before. When I was inviting people, saying "Count me in. We need you to participate." I think some people some people were giving me feedback like, "Oh, are we in trouble? You know, are are we? Have we lost a lot of people?" No, not. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be changes, but we have as many or more people that are a part of the church now as there were a year ago. Um, You know, some of the names and faces have probably changed, but that happens all the time. Pandemic or no. Pandemic. It's not that we're in trouble. Uh, people have wondered, oh, is it because we're behind in finance? No, we are doing amazingly well considering the last year. In fact, there'll be more as we uh, publish our annual report and have our annual meeting here pretty soon. But no, it's not because we're in trouble. It's just that in order for the next stage to happen, if we're going to make that transition and go forward, then we need we need to make sure that there's fuel in the tank. And the fuel in the tank, the people are the people of the church that make the church happen. So when I encourage you to be counted in, it's not because we're in trouble. It's because we're excited about what's next. It's not because we are in dire straits, because that's really not the case. It's that I, I want to know that uh, we're gathering around the mission of Jesus to make him known. I, I want to know that we're going to be able to lock arms and that we can count you in in order to fuel the next stage of what's going to happen at Cornerstone. I want the excitement of of your participation. I want you to be involved, not just as a casual bystander, but to be a part of what is going on. It's it's an invitation to count me in. So that's what I'm talking about when I encourage you to raise your hand and say, count me in. I wanna be a part of what's happening next, what the story that Jesus is going to write for us and our congregation next. Uh, l- let me bring you back to the parables that we were looking at. Matthew 13, 47 is the is from the second parable. Again, notice he says again, this is the only time in, the, in that passage where he tells a bunch of parables that he says again. That indicates to me that he's repeating a point, and I think it's that same one as the first parable that we looked at. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. This to me just reinforced that idea. You know, the sower he spreads the seed liberally. Uh, the wheats and the wheat are allowed to grow together. We're not gonna be we're not gonna be picky. It's like uh, you know, everyone skate, all come. Uh, it caught fish of every kind. In this kind of fishing, you would cast out a net or drag a net towards the shore and it caught everything. It was very indiscriminate. It wasn't discerning at all. And in fact, this word, every kind, the word kind there that Jesus uses is usually used of different people, different tribes and ethnicities and i think that jesus is prefiguring the mission to the world that this isn't just a jewish thing this isn't just a uh a here and now kind of thing this is everyone everywhere we're going to cast the net wide and so i think that he's making that same point Uh, you know we're 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 just going to welcome everyone and love everyone and then uh, going back to the intro of Mark, it says, Jesus is calling his disciples. He said to them, follow me and I will have you become fishers of people. I picked the New American Standard, which is, it, it sounds kind of weird to our ears, this translation, I will have you become fishers of people. But I wanted to use it to emphasize that he is, he is saying, you used to be a certain way. I'm now going to bring it around to something different. You used to, used to be involved in this. Uh, this was your mission in life, but now I'm going to give you a new mission. I'm going to write a new ending to your story. So follow me, and I will give you a new mission. Follow me, and I will help you. You're, I'm going to put you to work casting the net wide. Follow me, and we're going to love everyone everywhere and we're going to grow together and we're going to leave the results up to God. Follow me and I will have you become fishers of people. And this would be a good time for me to just extend that invitation to you. Are you, are you in the net? Has there ever been a time where you've looked to Jesus and said yes to Jesus? I want you to be my Lord. I'm willing to let you call the shots. I'm tired of Making my own way. I want to follow your way. I want you to be my savior. I want what you did on the cross to count for me. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be included in your family and your kingdom. You start with the follow me, and then he gives you the mission and gives you purpose and starts writing a new end to your story. So say yes to Jesus uh raise your hand uh click that button text the word yes to our church number 603-225-2550 that'll let us know that you are saying yes to Jesus so that we can celebrate and also encourage and equip you as you follow Jesus you see Jesus is still writing his story and he's inviting you to be a part of it So say yes to Jesus, become one of his followers, become a part of his family, become a disciple of Jesus. And then if this is your church home and you want to be a part of what's next for Cornerstone, then let us know that as well. I don't know exactly what that's going to mean. I just know it means we're going to be on mission and we're going to be getting to know Jesus better, and we're going to try to follow him as closely and as wholeheartedly as we possibly can. And if you get the sense that this is the place where you want to join up, where you want to be a part of this next phase of the story, the second stage, then let us know so that we can count you in, resource you, keep you up to date with what's going on. Because... I believe that Jesus wants to write an amazing end to your story and to our story and to what he, I I believe that he still has plans and hopes and dreams and intentions for us in our time and place. And I believe that he wants us to be a body that is healthy and growing and full of love. And in order for that to happen, we have each part needs to do its own special work helping the other parts to grow and then the whole body everyone connected is grow healthy and growing and full of love would you pray with me heavenly father i thank you that you have given us your word i thank you lord that you are still active and alive that you are ruling and reigning from heaven and I thank you, Lord, that you've invited us into your story, the, the uh, expansion and multiplication of your kingdom. I pray that you would show us. We don't know what to expect. We don't know what's going to happen next. We, there's so much uncertainty. But we know that you are in control. And we want to turn our lives, our church, our tomorrows over to you. So, Lord, I pray that you would draw people to yourself, that you would help us to cast the net wide, to be loving, to be known by our love for one another. And I pray, Lord, that you would draw many people to yourself and that you would receive the glory, credit, and honor that is due to you as a result. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.